Welcome to the second edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast. My name's Rebecca Field and I'm a Chartered Trademark Attorney at IP law firm HGF and I'm joined on this podcast by my colleague Lee Curtis who's also a Chartered Trademark Attorney at HGF. Hello. The subject of our first podcast was the use of personal names in the world of fashion and the subject of our second podcast will be the use and protection of colour in fashion. So in this second podcast, we're going to talk about colour in fashion and the difficulties of protecting it in the industry. So why is it an important subject in the world of fashion, Lee? Well, beyond the obvious aesthetic qualities of colour in fashion items themselves, colour can have a branding function. It can distinguish one brand from another immediately on the basis of a simple glance. It can be a shorthand for a word trademark and build a particular emotive connection between the consumer and the brand, instilling a brand with particular qualities in the mind of consumers. Colour has gained even more prominence with the rise of social media platforms such as Instagram, and the potential for the use of colour in the metaverse could be infinite when it is not constrained by the physical realm. Just think about the fashion brands and the colours particularly associated with them. We have the Hermes Orange, the result of necessity during the Second World War, which was a result of Hermes having to use a certain shade of orange because of a shortage of coloured packaging. We also possibly have the most famous colour trademark of them all in the world of fashion, and definitely one of the most litigated, in the form of a certain shade of red, on the sole of a Christian Louboutin shoe. It is reported that two years into his business, Christian Louboutin was designing a shoe inspired by Andy Warhol's 1964 colors print. He had a problem, however, with the shoe design and that it was not looking as good as Andy Warhol's print, with the shoe having a large black sole, until it was reported that he saw an assistant painting her nails with red nail varnish He applied that tone of red to the sole of his shoe design. A global phenomenon was born there and then, or more accurately for this discussion, a global trademark. It is interesting to also note that Andy Warhol's prints were also the subject of litigation when Patricia Caulfield, the photographer, uh, which actually inspired his flower design and which appeared in the 1964 edition of Modern Photography, actually brought an action against Andy Warhol in 1966. IP law gets everywhere. So then, Lee, why can colours be problematic from a trademark law perspective? Well, there are two key problems associated with the protection of colour in the world of fashion. And here I am particularly concentrating on UK and EU trademark law and practice. The first is that colour is often a key component of the fashion product itself. In some ways, it is the product itself, giving value to the product sold. Although case law, both before the United Kingdom Intellectual Property Office and the European Intellectual Property Office, and indeed both the UK and EU courts, have made it clear that all trademarks should be treated equally, uh, case laws also equally hold that it's also harder for a particular colour to be established as functioning as a badge of brand origin in the world of fashion. The second problem is defining colour. Colours look differently to everybody. 
This is a major issue for trademark protection, as to achieve a trademark registration, the trademark concerned, indeed any type of trademark, must be clearly defined to provide certainty of scope. That is very easy for a word, but what about a colour? Rebecca, can you provide some practical tips on registering colour in the world of fashion in the UK and the EU? So as you've touched on, Lee, um, a key component for registering a colour or a combination of colours in the UK or EU in the world of fashion is defining the scope of protection at the outset. So you need to think about what you're going to file and how that coverage is going to be shown. It's important to think about what protection you're actually seeking and there's three reasons for that. Firstly, it can be very hard, indeed near impossible, to amend a trademark filing once it's been filed with the UK or the EU office. Secondly, the width of protection saw has a significant impact on the chances of a trademark application for colour being accepted and successful. You have to balance the narrowness of protection sought against what you want to stop competitors doing, so how you want to enforce it. So you need to sit down and think why your colour trademark is commercially distinctive and of value to the business, and then seek to define it, and this can take some time. A trademark application which hones in narrowly on the distinctive element of a colour trademark is much more likely to succeed on the basis of acquired distinctiveness. It's very rare for a trademark application for a colour or a combination of colours, particularly for fashion products in the UK and EU, to proceed without submitting evidence of acquired distinctiveness through use. Finally, and most importantly, defining a trademark clearly is key from a case law point of view. You cannot in the UK and EU simply use a simple word to define a colour. For example, the word red. You have to use a scientifically and commercially accepted definition of a colour. Although you do not have to use a Pantone number to define your colour, for example, I have used and it has been accepted by the UKIPO in the registration of a colour, a so-called C-Lab colour space number. Pantone numbers are the most commonly used form, though, and accepted definition of colour by the UKIPO. And I think this gives you a flavour of how specific you actually need to be in a colour application. You also invariably will have to submit a detailed and sometimes lengthy word description defining how, as opposed to what, colour is applied to the product and that should be combined with a pictorial representation of how the colour or colours are applied to a product which may include certain disclaimed elements. A word description on how the colour is applied is often as important as the definition of the colour itself and great thought has to be put into crafting this description before the application is filed and not after because it frames what protection is being sought and how the examiner will examine the application. So it's important to get it right first time. We then come to evidence of acquired distinctiveness which I touched on briefly. Most trademark applications for colour for any products in the UK, and this is particularly the case for colour trademarks in the world of fashion, will only proceed successfully, in my view, on the basis of evidence of use. One of my trademark claims to fame is that I originally registered the Christian Louboutin Red Soul trademark in the UK with a small bit of help from Lee, 
And when prosecuting that application, we submitted not only evidence of turnover, advertising figures, marketing, PR, etc., but also statements from independent declarants talking about the red sole, the colour trademark. So we had quite a few witness statements submitted from independent third parties also. Well-drafted witness statements and exhibits which go to the heart of what you're trying to protect are key to registering fashion trademarks. So we've talked a lot about colour trademarks so far. What about the combination of colour and position in the world of fashion then, Lee? Position trademarks in fashion can be important and useful for brand owners, particularly when combined with colour. A position trademark specifically protects the position of a distinctive sign on a product, for example, footwear or clothing. They were not officially recognised in the EU and therefore by definition the UK until the 12th of January 2016 with the implementation of a new EU trademarks directive. There are actually only presently 90 EU trademark registrations formally classified as position trademark, uh, notably Burberry owning a number of class 25 position trademarks covering various forms of clothing. But they have existed informally, particularly for fashion trademarks, for many years. It is generally not possible to register a single colour in isolation for a fashion product without defining how it is applied to the product. And in essence, this is the defining concept of a fashion or a position trademark. One should consider the concept of position trademarks, particularly in the EU, when considering the registration of any colour or colours or fashion items. As Rebecca has explained previously, you have to consider how a colour is applied to a fashion product anyway in your registration strategy. There is a valid question that you might raise is what is the advantage of formally classifying a trademark as a position trademark over not defining it specifically at all? However, as with all trademarks, but particularly colour trademarks, the better that it is defined the easier it will be to register and the easier it will be to defend any subsequent registration from attack. We have talked a lot about trademark registrations, but what about common law protection of colour trademarks in the UK, Rebecca? Well, in theory, colour trademarks can be protected under common law in the UK by the protection of goodwill under the tort of passing off. So you do not necessarily have to register a colour trademark in the UK in order to have protection for it, because it could be included, for example, in the general get-up, um, which you would have goodwill in. However, we have already highlighted the difficulty of registering colour trademarks, and as a passing-off action would be very dependent on the evidence of goodwill in a colour or a combination of colours, it tends to be costly and hard to enforce common law rights in colour trademarks. As most people know, a passing off action is very factual and you have to have a lot of evidence at your disposal. And this would even be the burden would be very high for a colour trademark. So as ever, the golden rule is if you can register your colour trademark, then do so as it's so much easier to enforce than having to rely on passing off rights. So what are your takeaways from this discussion, Rebecca? Well, colour trademarks are clearly of great importance in the world of fashion, but they can be hard to register. When considering registering a colour trademark, what is key is preparation and considering what is the distinctive element of the brand you want to protect. 
You have to define the colour specifically by a recognised classification system, such as a Pantone number, and you have to consider how the colour or colours are to be applied to a product and draft the description of the trademark with a pictorial representation. Now, don't forget about position trademarks and don't forget about common law protection because they are good elements for everyone to use. We hope you've enjoyed our second Fashionably IP podcast and more will follow in the months to come. So thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.